Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 95 of Blue Jays Nation Radio delivered by DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first-time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Ding dong, Coomzy and Uremchuk with you to break down what was a pretty big day yesterday around the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you think that they chose this day to news dump it on NHL free agency day considering there's anything to that considering they did it six minutes after the free agent window opened. Yes. I believe that 100%. I also do think if there was anything along the lines of like the decision was made a week ago or whatever, like we kind of heard a little bit, I wonder if the bud thing changed that a little bit. And they kind of just said like, you know, out of respect for that, not just Charlie, I think, but the whole coaching staff, like, we're going to wait till after the funeral. Yeah. Cause doing, doing that on the Monday, obviously, or on Sunday after the Seattle game would have been insane. Like, you know, the funeral's on the Monday, the Jays are off that day. They're, you know, they've just been swept by Seattle. The logic would have been, okay, fire the guy after the Seattle series, but doing that on the day of a funeral of a child of one of the coaching staff would have been pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, So I I do think the timing of it was in part because of that. But also, I think they said 1206 on the day of NHL free agency when the city is going to be talking about Ilya Samsonov. Like, let's do it then. Yeah, well, I mean, he also could have done it right before the start of the Philly series, too, right? Yeah, it is strange. It's 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 a really weird thing. So, I mean, ultimately, what winds up happening is the Jays win their first game against the Phillies. Nice, tight win. Mm -hmm. Pretty intense. I think all of us were like quite nervous that they were going to blow that seem like they were going to. <laughs> I was going to say all right? of us were sitting here thinking about how they're going to lose this baseball game. Yes. Yeah. Jose Barrios puts up a great start, strikes out 13 guys in six innings. The bullpen comes in. We're like, how are they going to fuck this up? They win. It's like, wow, things are back on track next day. Everyone's talking about hockey. And then right in the middle of it, Charlie Montoya has been fired. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is weird. Very weird. And then as soon as that happens, the floodgates open and everyone's talking about how there's tension in the locker room. People had given up on Charlie. The front office had been thinking about this for weeks, but there really hadn't been much of a peep about it. Like a lot of, even if people suggested the idea of firing Charlie, it was kind of met with an eye roll. It was like, Oh, that's your uncle from Barry's lazy opinion. Like 
you know, and that was our reaction to it more or less. It was too. like, oh man, the guys who call him Montoya want him fired. Like, yeah. And we, we all thought like, well, this is kind of a joke. Like there's no way they're actually going to do it. They just gave him an extension. This is their guy. Like he's doing everything they've asked. Like, you know, the Shapiro Atkins front office is all about whiteboard inspirational quotes and good vibes. And that's what Charlie does. And then they manage through a spreadsheet. So it's like, well, okay. Things aren't working, but this is your guy doing your thing. So it, it's, it, it just seemed kind of odd, right? Yeah, it did. And I think there are a lot of interesting elements to us not hearing a ton of reporting about this. Um, I saw some people on Twitter talking about, you know, this is what you get when the team is owned by Sportsnet and Sport and Rogers Sportsnet. Is, I should say the team is owned by Rogers and Rogers Sportsnet is the rights holder. Like sometimes you don't necessarily get all the info that maybe you'd like. But at the same time, we see this in every sport with every rights holder, right? I mean, when you're watching hockey, you rarely ever see, you'll see the odd little bit of speculation about some stuff like this, but when it's local teams, rights holders, there's always, you know, a little bit of the propaganda side of it, right? Um, You want to keep the people who you're doing business with happy. So I don't fully blame it on that. I I wonder if part of it too, because I've read a lot of the reporting on the athletic and such, and they're saying, you know, there are, you know, anonymous players who are saying things like, yeah, it was time for a change. I wonder if those players just maybe didn't, even though it's anonymous, maybe didn't want to say anything to the media while Charlie was still there. They didn't mm-hmm. want to create the storyline that, yeah, there's a rift in here and things are not going well behind closed doors. Um, so I think that's a part of it too, is just like you all, it's just something that happens in sports. The bad shit will come out when people know they're not going to get in trouble for saying it, right? Like if that's a, if that's Brad Zimmer talking to the athletic as an anonymous source, and he does that three weeks ago and it gets out in the room that it's Brad yeah. Zimmer talking to the media. He's getting DFA. He's off the team. He's not here anymore. Right. Yeah. So like, it's a safe, it's almost a safe space now to go run and tell your media friend, like, yeah, by the way, shit was bad. A lot of us wanted Charlie O. Plus, plus on the other side of that too, you also have to, and, and, and I guess those who don't work in the media will, won't necessarily be as uh, forgiving of this because you're, they're going to say, well, this is your job, but it's, difficult to go into a dressing room and see that kind of thing happening as the fly on the wall, which I imagine the reporters all did. They were all there. They realized that some people roll their eyes at Charlie. They think he's too soft or they think his tactics are stupid, but you're not going to go run and throw that into the athletic or the Toronto star, certainly not Sportsnet, because no one's going to trust you in that room again. No one's going to tell you anything. And this has just been the reality of the blue Jays. And like you said, many, many, most teams forever because remember back in 2015, 16, no one had a clue that there was any problems or any rifts going on with those teams. We just thought, you know, these teams are perfect. They're angels. It's a gift from God. They're amazing. We love them. And then a few years later, we found out, okay, like Josh Donaldson's apparently bullying guys. Troy Tulowitzki only talks to certain guys. Um, Marcus Stroman has beef with a handful of guys. And we find that out significantly later because I mean, you just, it's difficult to get away. I think with telling those stories, if you have to roll in the next day, because again, no one's going to, no one's going to be willing to be themselves around you. If you're telling that and no one's going to trust you, but that's the challenge because if you know, you're a good objective reporter, you want to share this stuff. And it's, it's, that's, it's just a challenge. Yeah, it's a balance. I think you have to walk as a reporter and maybe this was just an instance where that 
didn't quite happen. Um, but also I do think there's a, there's a chance that maybe the players are just good at keeping it behind closed doors for a little bit too. Um, so let me just ask you point blank. We'll take the reporting and all that out of it. Um, was this the right move? Um, I didn't think it was when we talked last week, I thought just again, based on I'm, I'm an outsider. I'm not in the dressing room. I'm not a media member. Um, I thought the players liked Charlie. I, they, I, it, it, it seemed from a distance that he really resonated with them and that he was uh, instrumental in creating kind of a good, a good calm, loose energy for the team that they liked. It seemed like um, one thing that particularly made sense about Charlie is that he was a, a good leader for the Latin American players in the team to yeah. allow them to be, to play with more of that flair that I think old school managers maybe wouldn't allow. So I thought that Charlie was well liked by the team. And as stuff is coming out now, it seems maybe that necessarily wasn't the case. Like it's, it's, there was, um, this must have been a week or so ago, two weeks ago, uh, Kevin Gosman fought back against um, Charlie doing a certain shift when he was pitching. And then he saw better results after they stopped doing it. Uh, Vladdy was visibly upset in the first game against the Phillies when Charlie opted to uh, make a challenge that he thought for sure was out. You had never really seen that kind of interaction between the two players. So I thought it would have been a bad, bad move because I thought firing Charlie would upset the players. But now based on what we've learned yesterday, I guess, Maybe not. Maybe they just kind of view John Schneider as their guy and they eye roll Charlie as the vessel from the front office to make decisions based off a spreadsheet and they didn't respect him. Yeah, that Vlad moment in game one against the Phillies was really the first time I kind of went like, ooh, this uh, this clubhouse isn't in a good spot because if you have your superstar first baseman being comfortable enough to openly eye roll and wave his hands at the bench. And then again, like when the next play happened and they didn't have the challenge and all that, like he eye rolled again, kind of. And it's like, that was the first moment I was like, things actually might not be that good mm -hmm. behind the scenes here. And as you hear stuff, I, I begin to understand the decision more and more and think as we read some of the really great reporting that's been done over the last couple of days with a lot of people, you know, finding sources who are saying, yeah, no, it, it was bad behind the doors. Um, at so I think I can land and understand that this was the right move, um, but I don't think that necessarily has to take away too much of the really good stuff that Charlie Montoyo did behind the scenes. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, just with the team in general, it's a it's a tale as old as time in sports, right? Ever since we've gotten into this era, I should say, of you tank to try build an elite team, right? You don't just try to be mushy in the middle and just make the playoffs and just squeak in. You tank, you are awful. And then you try to get a bunch of high-end prospects and be good. We've seen it time and time again. The coach who gets you through the rebuild is never the yep. coach that wins you the championship. Um, this is going to be obsolete to most of our viewers. But when I spent a couple of seasons covering WHL hockey, it was almost the same thing where the head coach was a known great guy. Everyone loved him. He was great to the media, but that team was dog shit for two years. They had one decent season and then he was done because it was like, no, he's not the guy who's going to win you a championship. He was the good guy who's going to help you gut through this rebuild and be great with your young players as they're coming up. And that's what Charlie was, right? He let the players be themselves. Like you said, you know, he had a lot of patience for young players and they would make mistakes. Even some of the players now who are more established, he had a ton of patience for look at Bo Bichette. I mean, yeah. through all of Bo Bichette's struggles, he did not move out of that two hole. No, Like no. Charlie had that level of patience. I even think with a guy like Alejandro Kirk going back to last season, when there were runs that Kirk wasn't playing good, like, he still got his ABs. It wasn't like 
a dumb defensive mistake had the manager stapling to stapling him to the bench for two games. Right. Um, so I, I think Charlie was the perfect man for the job. The job description has just changed for the Jays. Yeah. And it's always kind of felt like John Schneider was the guy, right? I mean, yeah. it was, what's that going to be four years ago now that he, he was the manager when the double A team, New Hampshire won the championship and that team, you know, Bo was on that team, Biggio was on that team. And that's what got us all fired up. And we all kind of viewed, okay, the Schneider guy is the guy of the future. And then Charlie was the nice fit for the Jays with that atmosphere. He also deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. I mean, the Jays in 2020 having to deal with everything that went on with, you know, we don't know where we're going to play. Everything was so random. And then Eve, same thing in 2021, they're starting off in Dunedin then it's to Buffalo and then it's back to Toronto. He seemed to keep things very, very, very good during those two years. And the teams did, the team did well during those two years. Like, you know, um, the team saw success under Charlie Montoyo. They made the playoffs albeit in the expanded um, field in 2020 and then 2021, they narrowly miss out win 91 games. So it's, it's basically another playoff season with how well they did. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, I think we all kind of saw this coming at some point, even, even in the off season when they gave them. Um, so he originally came on in the three-year deal. It was 2019, 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. And then they picked up the option for 2022, which was this year. And they added on also, um, an extension for 2023 after that. So Charlie will get paid for that year. But the years after the one-year extension were just team options. So they didn't sign Charlie to a four-year managerial contract that began next year and really showed him and the team, hey, this is the guy long-term. They gave him the one-year extension so he wasn't a lame duck, which is the normal thing to do. Like, I mean, going into a season with a manager that's not under contract at the end uh, for the following season, is a recipe for disaster for players and how they respect that manager. But when the Jays only gave him one year, it kind of showed like, okay, you might be here for all of 2022, but shy of having an amazing season and winning the world series. It's hard to see you coming back next year. If there wasn't struggles mid season, they didn't do this in June, July, whatever they were probably doing it in the off season. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good way to read the situation. Um, I, we saw it a little bit last night in, in Schneider's first game. Um, do you think there'll be a difference in approach here? Like you, you keep alluding to the whole, like Charlie was just doing what the spreadsheet says, right? Charlie was managing from what the book that sort of the front office has had written for him. Do you think John Schneider will be more independent? Cause last night we saw things like starting the runner and, you know, maybe some more quote unquote, traditional baseball move, something that wouldn't be considered an analytics heavy approach. It was hit and runs and shit like that. Do you think we'll see more of that with Schneider or was that just one game, him having some adrenaline and wanting to see what he could do? It's hard to say. You'd think they would. John Schneider seems to be a little bit more of an old school manager. And the other thing is that news came out yesterday when Schneider was promoted that there was some pressure for the Jays to go ahead and do this because Schneider's getting different or um, getting interest from different teams around the league. And, you know, the Jays are the the third team to fire their manager this year. The Angels did so, and that didn't do anything uh, for them. The Phillies did so, and they've completely turned their season around. So, I mean, other teams are going to be firing their manager and perhaps have openings in the offseason. And Schneider's a guy that might draw interest. Um, 
So with that in mind, since he has that kind of leverage with the front office, um, if they're going to ask him, hey, can you just kind of be, you know, the guy that implements our thing, our strategy, then he can push back and be like, you know what? No, like I have three teams who have reached out to me that might have a managerial uh, spot open next year and they'd like to interview me in the offseason. So he can kind of push back against that a bit. And there's also word coming out that Charlie was operating with like the spreadsheet. He was being like, okay, here's what the analytics says we should do. And then if they were ever doing anything tactically, it already was Schneider. Um, so we, we had never heard that before. We didn't really know specifically how much of a hand Schneider had on the bench. I think we kind of knew that he would, he would have a fairly large role in the coaching staff, but I don't think we realized it was to that extent. So with all of that information in mind, I think it kind of lays out the reality that Schneider probably has a bit more leverage here to be independent. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of an old school style here. Then they're not going to rely so much on, okay, here's what the analytics say. We're going to go with John's gut, which I don't know, maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't is what it is. The players seem to like the guy. So that's that. There was a quote that Shai Davidi had right before yesterday's game. He said, Charlie's ever present optimism wasn't necessarily aligned with what the players were feeling. So it seems they want somebody with a bit more urgency and a bit more intensity would be my guess. I understand that actually, not that I'm a pro athlete by any means, but if I put myself in those shoes and we were one and nine in our last 10, maybe early on in a losing streak, having a little like, Hey, come on, believe in yourselves, Ted Lasso vibes, whatever you want to call it would be fine. But by the time you get to games eight, nine and 10 of that losing streak, you're out in Seattle losing games in bullshit ways. And the managers may be sitting there being like, we got to believe, we got to believe like that would wear thin on me. I would want someone who's going to come in and get a little pissed off and try to wake us up, especially if I'm, you know, a star player like George Springer, who was hitting dingers in that Seattle series and just watching an absolute tire fire in front of him from center field. I'd be sitting there being like, why is no one yelling at these guys? Why is there no accountability? That'd be a guy who came from a bit of an old school background with AJ Hinch in Houston as well, where they're winning championships probably with an element of accountability in the room and not just sunshine and rainbows every day. So I I do totally understand if that is the case, that sort of the always positive, we're going to get through this together vibe more thin. It makes sense. It does. It does. It does. I get it. And like, I mean, again, neither of us are professional athletes, but both of us have played sports and it's like, you know, sometimes you want to be coddled along, but sometimes you also know deep down that you need that kick in the ass. Though I will say it's a bit ironic that, you know, guys are saying this Charlie's happy-go-lucky attitude and, you know, calmness on the guys is a problem when they have so many players who do so many stupid things over and over (laughs) and over again. Bo's made the same fuck-ups at short so many times. He swings through the first two pitches of every single at-bat. You know, Teoscar looks, Teoscar and Gurriel both look lost in the outfield at times, just completely zoned out. Like, okay. (laughs) I mean, you can also, like, hold yourself accountable to some some extent, right? And and that's another side of it, too. Like, as professional athletes, like, and maybe it's also a knock on the leadership in, in the clubhouse, right? It's like, hey, if Charlie's not going to do it, why aren't some of the vets stepping up and just doing it themselves kind of thing? Um, but, but I think that's maybe a, a, a little bit of a stretch right now. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it before in sports where you make the managerial change and your, your team ends up going on a bit of a heater here. I do think the timing of this actually works out pretty well for the Jays in the sense that, okay, they got that second win against Philly and now it's four against the Royals who yeah. are just ripe for the picking right now. This is just a ball sitting on a tee for the Jays to crush out of the park because they are missing more or less everyone good on their already not that good roster. Um, and if you can 
roll through the Royals here at home and go into the all-star break with a, we've won six in a row. The vibes are better. Every player is kind of going home for this little reset, feeling good about themselves. Um, I think you can put yourself in a really good headspace to start the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They've given John Schneider the perfect introduction to this. I mean, some people might've suggested, Hey, why not, you know, make this firing during the all-star break and then fresh slate in the second half of the season. Well, instead you have John Schneider with a five game path mm-hmm. into the beginning of his career that features going up against the Kansas city Royals who are among the worst teams in major league baseball with their normal roster, but they'll be coming to Toronto missing 10 guys. <laughs> if 10 guys not coming on the trip with them and among those 10 guys are they're better players like Whit Merrifield, Andrew Benintendi, two starting pitchers, Keller and singer. I mean, Keller's he, legit too. Keller's having yeah, a great season. He's a good pitcher and he was good against the Jays when they faced him in Kansas city. And now you look at who they're going to face. And the only name I recognize on their roster, that's going to be there is like uh, Sal Perez, unless he's injured, um, Zach, Frankie will be there. Uh, Bobby Wood Jr. will be there. I have no fucking clue who else is on the Kansas City Royals. No idea. But before we get into the Kansas City series, there's actually something worthwhile to bring up here is seeing this amount of guys. And there's two or three players, I think, from Kansas City we thought would be good trade fits for the Jays that they now can't acquire. Like we, we talk about um, the front office and we're like, why don't you go and make some changes? Why don't you go and get some guys in early June? Well, you know, one of the things they need to get is a left-handed bat, perhaps one in the outfield. And then lo and behold, Andrew, uh, Andrew Benintendi doesn't have the vaccine. So we can't play here. Uh, and that's a guy that we all talked about. We're like, why haven't you got him yet? Why haven't you traded for this guy yet? So it's, it's ironic. Like you have, Again, we've talked about this a million times, yeah. but everyone says it's unfair for the Jays. They have this amazing advantage of teams can't bring certain guys to Canada, blah, blah, blah. But we've already talked about how the rules apply to them going to the States as well. But it also shrinks down the talent pool the Jays have to work with. Like how many free agents can they actually sign? How many guys can they actually trade for? The draft is coming up next week. Who can they draft? They had to how part m- ways with Kirby Sneed this offseason. Yeah. Like they, they, they can't be in the mix for certain free agents. Well, yeah. Like the, the talent pool of getting guys to come to Toronto is already a challenge because you're trying to get guys to, you know, leave the U S usually yeah. they're from there and play in a different country that has higher taxes. And then now you also have to like navigate this situation. So the talent pool, the Jays have to work with is so much smaller and it's so frustrating seeing like Gary Sheffield jr. Be like, Oh, we should just not have the Jays until they figure out how to not have like, shut the fuck up. You idiot. Like, do you think the (laughs) Jays make political decisions for Canada? How stupid are you? Uh, Okay. We're probably getting out a bit too much of a wormhole here, but yeah. um, Easy to get fired up about it because it's just such a nonsense narrative. And yeah, we should take the Jays out of toronto like man every jays player needs to be vaccinated too or else they'd be leaving guys either in canada or they'd have players who could only play on the road like i don't know it's just dumb and it's not exactly a huge advantage for them either um and let's be honest they probably could have rolled over the royals this weekend even if they had merrifield benintendi keller and singer like let, let's be real here kansas city's not that good i do like the narrative though that's come out and some of the quotes where i think i read this at the athletic where some Royals players were like, eh, maybe if our team was better, like the mindset would be different around it. And it's like, wow. So like 
JT Ramuto's out here being like, not enough money in the world. And some Royals players are like, you know what? I didn't get it because I kind of just get an extra long break here. Like, kind of yeah, sick. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> why would you go and do it? It doesn't matter. Like, you're playing the Royals, man. The Royals suck. Like, <laughs> there's no point. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not interested in taking it and you're not going to get pressured into doing so to maybe go two and two against the Jays so that you can finish fourth instead of fifth in the American League Central, like, who cares? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah. Um, what a narrative. Oh my God. And I, <laughs> so they're coming thing. in, they're coming into this series, presumably feeling pretty good about themselves. You know, I think the managerial change gives you that little bit of a kick in the ass. Uh, they got that tight win against the Phillies and then they beat the wheels off them in that second game. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez hits a home run. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hits just an impossible home run as well. Um, that was unbelievable. Uh, but they're starting to, you know, have some players really putting together some nice runs here. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is certainly one of those players. He goes four for four in game one, picks up another hit in game two. Teoscar Hernandez, whenever he does well, I'm legally obliged to bring him up on this podcast because he's on a great run right now. Um, even Bo Bichette, I think, is starting to hit the ball pretty well. And we saw that towards the tail end of the Seattle series. And that carried over here as well. He went two for four in that second game against the Phillies. It feels like, and we talked about this, right? This this is a feast or famine kind of lineup, right? It's a bunch of free swinging righties. And when they're all cold, it's ugly. They'll go one and nine. When they're all hot, they'll win eight in a row, like we saw earlier this year. And it feels like a bunch of key pieces of this lineup are starting to get rolling in the right direction. Yeah, it does. The We all know the Jays are, they're hit and miss. They're very swing happy right-handed team. They can be shut down, but they can also go nuclear. The key really is the pitching. Um, you can navigate, you can navigate a an offense being streaky and up and down so long as you consistently have good starting pitching. And if you have consistently good starting pitching, your bullpen's not going to be as taxed. It's not going to be as worn out. So that really is the blueprint to the Jays. If they're going to be at their best, they need their starting rotation to work. And that's what we've seen these past couple of games. They did very well against the Phillies because Barrios and because Ross Stripling put up excellent starts. They didn't have to ask that much of the bullpen. And then, you know, the bats are going and doing their thing. But even if the bats aren't doing their thing, like they pitched well enough in that series that 
that's fine. And that's what, that's what you need from the Jays. And that's if they're going to like really hit their potential and be the great team that we thought they were going to be, they need to get their starting pitching rolling. And that might also require going external and acquiring somebody else because you know, the one, one of the positives here is we have Ross Stripling pitching very well in, in, in the spot of Hyunjin Ryu, Jose Barrio seems to have bounced back. And then you still have Gosman who's going to be starting against Kansas city. So it seems he's fine from his injury and Manoa, of course, pitching well, but you still have an open spot in the Kikuchi spot. You know, is he going to come back and pitch? Well, is he going to move to the bullpen? What are they going to do? Might need to acquire somebody else. Bullpen's still a problem. Obviously it won't be as much of a problem if the starting pitching is doing well, but you know, still like a handful of holes to think about with the deadline. What, like three weeks away now? Yeah, weeks, it, yeah. yeah, yeah we are three weeks away from uh, the MLB trade deadline. Obviously, All Star break right around the corner here. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> it's just so frustrating that the extra wrinkle of like, oh yeah, the Jays need to find a player who works and who they feel they can acquire, and it, and it is a good trade. And then you need to do the extra layer of like, are they vaccinated? And it's just not something anyone else needs yeah, to deal with. It's just such um, a fantastic advantage the Jays have. I so do cool. wonder, like, not that the Jays, not that there was any chance the Jays didn't go all in anyways at this year's deadline. But again, if you rattle off four against the Royals here and all of a sudden you're in a spot where it's like, all right, not only is second in our division realistic, but, you know, there's a good chance if we just play solid ball, we're going to get it. Um, cause that second spot, like that's big, like having home field advantage for that first little wild card series is wildly important. I yep. think for a team like the Toronto blue Jays, you know, if that dome is rocking with 50,000, that's important being in a ballpark where the ball can has a tendency to fly out at times with your hitters. That's important as well. So I do think, you know, catching the Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays, they're currently one and a half back of the Rays, tied with the Bo Sox who are also not playing great baseball right now. They've lost the main row to three and seven in their last 10. Um, catching those two and coming up on top of those AL wildcard teams, I, I think is really important. Yeah, it is. The last thing you want to do is, you know, be the number six seed and then you got to roll into, I don't know, I guess it would be Minnesota or whoever winds up winning the central division. Yeah. Uh, that's not so much the daunting thing. Um, and then after that, you'd immediately have to go and play the Yankees, which I mean, you don't really want to go up against the Yankees at Yankee stadium after they've just rested for like a week. So you want to have your, your, your nicer path. You want to be hosting a playoff series against a different yep. wildcard team. The teams are all good. I mean, you don't want to, it, it, there's no easy series to be had here. Um, whether you're playing Boston, Minnesota, even like a Seattle, um, Tampa, whoever it winds up being is going to be a challenge, but you really would like to be at home. And yep. then you'd really like to avoid the pathway that makes you face the Yankees right off the hop, right when they're rested. I think that's what you'd like to avoid. Exactly. I, I would much rather go up against, again, if we're talking of spitballing dream scenarios come playoff time, I'd rather have that first series be in Toronto. I'd win it. And then I'd want to go up against either Houston or Minnesota after they just, you know, whatever, or yeah, Houston or Minnesota, whoever happens there, I'm way more confident against those two than I'm against the Yankees team that might win 120 freaking games this year, you know? For sure. And it's funny, we talked about like the wheels have totally fallen off after the Seattle series, but I mean, the Jays, like you said, are tied with the Red Sox. They're only like a game and a half back of Tampa. Like it's not like they completely fell off a cliff. Like it was, I think the thing that made it seem so bad 
a few days ago was the fact that Baltimore was just right there. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's very jarring to see the Orioles <laughs> be close to the Blue Jays in the standings. It's like, Oh wow. Is this like really the level we're playing at right now? This is pretty sad, but this can turn around quite quickly. I mean, you're going to yeah. have four against Kansas city right here. Like we talked about that really should be four wins at the very least three, if it's anything else. And that sucks. And then you have a nice head to head right after the break against Boston and they're not playing super well right now. Maybe the all-star break will help them collect themselves, but that's another chance for you to like kind of establish yourself and yeah. maybe pull above them in the standings. Yeah, it's really big. Like I said, get some positive momentum, rest up over the all-star break. Um, I feel like we're just looking over the Royals completely and that can be dangerous because it is still hard to win. Done games this in the majors. I know we've <laughs> done this before, but like, if there is ever a four game sweep written in the stars for you, it's this one right here. Um, so let's hope the Jays can, can go yeah. ahead and punish Kansas city. What do we know? Uh, what do we know for starting pitchers here? Like, so who... they've said um, Kevin Gosman will return yeah. from, he wasn't on the injured list, but he was injured. So yeah. he's starting on Thursday. I think uh, Alec Manoa would then be in line for Friday. Saturday would be Max Castillo again. If they opt to go that route, I see no reason why they wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and then Sunday would be normal rest to Jose Barrios to finish cool. things off. I have no idea who's going for Kansas city because again, half their team's not here. Uh, yeah. So we'll probably see Zach Granke. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably see some bullpen days. We might see a prospect from triple A come up and make a debut. Who cares? Their whole, uh, like on MLB.com, it's just TBD for all four games. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, Royals it's, got their shit figured out. Coombs. Not easy to predict this one, but I think we both agree if the Jays do, I'll give them one one game margin for error because yeah. you can't ever expect yeah. a four game sweep, no matter how bad the opponent is. If they do less than three and one in this, then you got to fire John Schneider. And bring in somebody else. <laughs> you just keep going down. It's like Schneider's gone. Pete Walker's the new manager. Yeah, Pete I mean, Walker loses a couple. Guillermo, you're in. And just keep sliding them, sliding them in. Yep, just keep going. All right. So let's quickly take a look ahead here, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet Canada. Obviously, we are expecting victories for the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, so are the sports books because Kansas City has absolutely no one on their roster. And we are. Of like what six seven hours away from first pitch of game one and they don't even have the odds posted yet which is usually a sign that they are struggling to figure out how bad this matchup is so uh the jays could roll keep it locked on our socials for a lot more points back content coomsey that's going to do it for episode 95 you enjoy this four gamer against the royals and we will be recapping the first half of the season on monday best wishes Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.